Hello, and welcome to the Straight STR podcast. On today's episodes, we are going to be discussing all the other things, and I put the uh, air quotes around other. Um, there's just a lot of like little things that um, some of them are somewhat painful to get through, but once you're done, you're done. Um, but just some of the things that you may not think about, um, you know, owning an STR. Um, so the first thing we'll go over is uh, market research. Um, and what is important with the market research is that um, there's a lot of things, and especially in today's landscape, there's a lot of communities that are closing down, um, like out of state um, ownership um, or short term rental um, stays, and uh, they're they're under the they're doing it under the guise of affordable housing. So, um, but either way, you're going to want to know that going in. Um, just a perfect example is um, we've been looking to expand, and um, we. Uh, we're looking in a town called Livingston, Montana. Uh, it's a beautiful town, beautiful scenery, nice place to go, a um, lot of things to do, but also it's close to a Yellowstone Park, so it's a market that we were interested in. Um, but we kind of pumped the brakes because as we were doing market research, um, a town that's uh, about 15 minutes away called Bozeman, Montana, um, their city council came out and passed, uh, you know, in, in the current uh, short-term rentals were grandfathered in, but they did pass uh, some similar um, um, rules and regulations that that you cannot be a class one or an out-of-state owner and run a short-term rental. You can still run a long-term rental, um, but cannot rent it short-term. So, um, you know, when you're doing your market research, it's important to understand the market and know, um, you know, try to foresee those things that, that could be coming down the road. And um, I'll give another example. We were doing market research in Las Vegas. Um, what better place uh, for a tourist <laughs> than Las Vegas um, and all the sports teams they're bringing there and, and um, all the events that they have and the concerts. And it's just that truly can be a year round, um, you know, occupancy uh, there. But um, what we kind of found out is owning a condo um, outside of uh, outside of the uh, high rise uh, casinos. It's pretty tough. There's a lot of rules and regulations um, that you have to jump through. Uh, one of the agents I spoke with said that about half of the condos they sell um, that with the intent of getting a short term license, about half of them end up um, failing to to procure that license for one reason or the other. And the the main reason behind that is, is the the casinos uh, are supporting the city, obviously, financially. And so they have a lot of say. And so instead of uh, worrying about their occupancy rate, they thought, hey, let's sell some of our units um, to uh, investors and um, and then we'll just charge them the management fee and the HOA fees. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's uh, if you're if you're wanting to get into that market, um, that's probably actually what I would recommend is is purchasing. Uh, I know MGM, the signature towers, they usually have a unit uh, up for sale. Um, the Trump Tower usually has units up for sale. There's a, a couple other ones that uh, that have units for sale. And and again, you're going to shoot for high occupancy there because the HOA fees will be high. The um, and then the management fee will most likely be high. But um, you can still make it work uh, if you're able to get uh, a high occupancy. If you can stay at 80 percent or above, um, you're going to even if you have a mortgage, you're going to still be able to pay all the bills. So just do your market research and and know what you're getting into. Um, and, and you should be fine. So, uh, moving on to insurance. Um, you know, the only thing uh, that I'll touch on in insurance is you can go with, uh, you know, the, this 
not really smaller insurance agents, but you don't need a short-term rental uh, insurance per se. Um, most insurances carry what's called a landlord policy. Um, you're going to want to make sure though, that when you're having those discussions with your insurance agent, that it does cover the short-term rental. Um, so that they are aware, and most of those won't cover like uh, the nightmare scenarios where uh, the renter, um, you know, causes a bunch of damage or whatever. Most of those policies aren't going to cover that um, per se, um, but they will cover loss of revenue. Uh, if, for example, if you have a condo in a building and the building burns down, most of those HOAs will cover the external of the building, but you need to cover your walls in. Um, if you have um, upgraded floors or stainless steel appliances or, um, you know, amazing countertops, right? You're going to have to make sure you have a policy that will cover that because the HOA is only going to rebuild that building uh, with the standard uh, materials that they used originally. So if you if you have an updated unit, you're going to want to make sure you insure yourself for uh, replacement of uh, of that stuff, of the hardwood floors, of the um, countertops, cabinets, whatever you put in there. Um, and then the loss of revenue is the big one. If it's going to take you a year to get back up and running, will your insurance policy pay you um, based on what what revenue you lost? And most of them will just look at the previous year for that. But just know that that is covered. So have those discussions. Um, there is a, a big insurance carrier out there that's uh, very um, specific to short-term rentals, and that's called Proper Insurance. Um, had plenty of conversations with them, and they are the creme de la creme of insurance companies for a short-term rental, but you will pay. I mean, you'll pay a pretty penny for them, but they will uh, insure you on very specific issues of, of you know, da damage by guests. And and so you're covered for a lot more things. Um, ultimately, I just made the decision it's not worth paying the extra money for. Uh, luckily, we've uh, owned ours for about 15 months now and, and have yet to really have uh, a major issue come up. Uh, obviously, every guest gives that uh, uh, um, option. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen. But um, we just chose to go with the loss of revenue approach, the loss of materials approach. And um, if you have damage by guests, we're going to hope and lean on, uh, you know, the Airbnb and the VRBO, the, the policies uh, or the air. So Airbnb has what's called air cover. It's included. Um, I've heard horror stories when you try to put big claims in, but I've put a couple small claims in and, and have gotten paid really quick on that. So uh, have not had problems with air cover. And then a VRBO, you can actually, uh, you have a choice. You can uh, request a security deposit from your guests, or you can have them purchase a refundable um, policy. Uh, so, um, you know, and I've had to use one of those as well once the the policy and got paid really quick too. So um, that's kind of the route we, we choose to go. And we're just, you know, hoping to stave off that nightmare scenario where our insurance won't cover what a guest damaged. Um, but uh, and and hopefully air cover or or VRBO's policy will will cover it as well um, on that end. So insurance is just something to kind of keep an eye on. The business licenses for city and state. Um, this is the part I was talking about. That is, uh, it can be a real pain, but once you get through it, you're done. Um, you just need to renew it every year. Um, but just dealing with uh, well, first of all, knowing what licenses you need. Um, that's important. Uh, a lot of states are different in, in what they require, um, but just be prepared uh, to go through that process and, and give yourself some time. Don't 
think you're going to close on a property and, and a couple of days later going to have it up and running because you'll be surprised at, at some of the stuff uh, you have to uh, you procure and, and some of that stuff you can't even get until you have full ownership of the unit. So um, knowing what the city policies and, and uh, what licenses you need and then the state, the Department of Revenues of the state. So uh, that's all important thing to understand. Um, tax remittance is uh, something you need to need to know uh airbnb for example they will remit the state taxes in most markets um but then you're in charge of of remitting the city um uh city tax whether that be a tourism tax and then an occupancy tax so you'll have to keep track of that on your own and uh remit those uh, most most uh cities uh, require that monthly um but uh you know you can shoot for other arrangements some cities will work with you and you can pay quarterly or whatever but um just know that you're you're in charge of tax remittance for the most part at the very least with the city now airbnb in some markets they'll remit both so you just got to work with them and see what they can and can't do so um another one of those little things is the things you can't predict and your cancellation policy um my uh, thought process on cancellation policy is pick something that works for you and stick with it. Um, you may hear some crazy, uh, you know, some crazy things and from a guest for needing to cancel. And, you know, maybe it's a uh, very valid, but also it could be a complete lie. So um, the way I handle my cancellation policy is uh, there's there's settings, at least within Airbnb, there's settings and VRBO does the same thing that you can um, set. You can be very lenient where they can cancel up to 48 hours before. Um, you can be very strict, which I can't remember the time frame. Um, and I'm, I'm closer to the strict side. I think there's four settings, but I chose the third one, which is, I believe it's called firm. Um, you can uh, get a full refund 30 days in advance. Um, and then I think two weeks in advance, uh, you'll get a half refund. And then, um, and then after that two week time period, there is none. There's no refund. Now, um, just as an example, we had somebody about uh, four or five days before um, our uh, before their booking had just you know messaged and said, "Hey, well, we've come down with the stomach flu. Uh, you know, everybody in the family's sick. Um, you know, is there any way we can cancel?" And the way I approached it is, I gave them two options. I just explained, "Hey, I'm running a business here, and and uh, I you know that's the reason my cancellation policy is what it is." Um, we can move you to another unoccupied date, or um, we can just leave you where you're at. If you decide you don't want to travel uh, anymore, we can leave you where you're at and uh, I can cancel the booking without refund. And then if we do get a booking, um, you know, because sometimes three, four days in advance, you can still fill dates. So if we do get a booking, I'll uh, refund you um, whatever the difference is. If I make more, I'll just refund their their total amount. If I make less, then I'll refund what the new booking is. So those are just some ways you can handle it. You do need to be careful if they say, yeah, move me out 45 days from now and you move them. Uh, Airbnb is not smart enough to recognize that and then they can go ahead and cancel for their full refund. But um, so you just need to be careful there. But um, it, it, you always get those, uh, you jump on Facebook groups and and hey, a guest did this and they want to cancel. And then all of a sudden you have all these people say, be a human, you know, be uh, treat others as, as you'd like to be treated. Well, you have to understand they knew the cancellation policy when they booked it and they have they have options. They can purchase travel insurance, um, but they know the cancellation policy when they book it and you're running a business and you can't call the bank and say, hey, 
these people canceled on me, you know, three days and I was being a human. So I gave them their refund. Um, can you not send me my mortgage bill this month? You know, that's not how it works. And that's along the lines of you need to take the emotion out of it. So uh, my advice uh, to you, to you guys is when you get in that situation, you can handle it however you want. Um, you can, you can absolutely refund them and, and move on. But uh, if you're wanting to to try to run it as a business, um, just uh, stick to your cancellation policy. There's a reason you chose it, so stick to it. And then, um, you know, you can try to be flexible, but but that's my advice is just try to stick to it. Um, syncing of calendars. Um, if you're on just Airbnb, you have nothing to worry about. If you're on VRBO and Airbnb, then uh, you do need to sync those calendars. That way you don't get stuck with um, all of the platforms, uh, get very upset if a host cancels a, um, a booking. And uh, you, you know, on all of them, you know, almost even with one cancellation, you're going to lose your premier host or super host or whatever status. Um, so avoid those double bookings. Uh, you know, we didn't sync calendars right away until I really understood what it was. Um, I was just manually, if I got a booking on VRBO, I would manually go over the Airbnb calendar and block those dates out. Um, but then once we figured out how to sync calendars and it really isn't that difficult, it's, it's pretty easy. And then you just test it after you're done. But, um, that way, when you get a, a booking on Airbnb, it will sync over and, and block those dates on VRBO and you can avoid those, um, bookings and you can, um, you can sync to a Google calendar and then use that calendar to sync all the others. Um, there's just many different ways you can do it. So, uh, if you're doing more than two, even, uh, hosting platforms, so and there's also uh, that kind of leads me a segue into the next topic. There's a litany of websites out there that will help you with specific short-term rental um, pieces. Uh, you know, whether it be the calendar sync, you can buy a, a, a you can buy a product that literally that's what it does, and you pay a monthly fee, and it just syncs calendars amongst all your booking sites. Right? You can purchase. Um, you know, there's there's websites for like cleaning, uh, finding cleaners, and 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 paying them through their app and you pay them a monthly fee and and you can find websites that uh, supposedly will get you more bookings and you can buy pricing uh, um, products. So there's a litany of websites out there and you can really spend a lot of money if you keep stacking them on top of each other. But um, I guess I don't use any of those um, and we're able to stay uh, stay booked. I think in my opinion, if you're willing to put in just a little bit of time, it doesn't take a ton. Granted, we only have one unit at the moment, but um, it doesn't take a lot of time to keep your listing fresh and keep booked um, and understand your market and understand your your busy times and your slow times and and working with the calendars and and that set and the pricing. Um, but if you uh, don't want to do all that and you're okay paying uh, with a little bit of, of, of money for this product or that product, there certainly is a ton out there that can help you. So. Uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, again, if you're enjoying the content and uh, it's helpful for you, please like and subscribe on whatever uh, whatever podcast system you're using here. Um, and then uh, we will see you uh, for future episodes. Thank you and goodbye.